0: Hey guys, this is Chargers running back Joshua Kelly, and you're listening to the Charged Up Bolts Podcast. Much love. Aight.
1: Here's what's coming up this
2: week on the Charged Up Bolts Podcast. It's election day. That's
0: a bit of a disaster, wasn't it?
2: Well, you know I love me some big nasties. Coaches aren't great, are they? I'm not crying. I've uh, I've run out of tears.
1: Something is rotten in the state of the Chargers. Hello, and welcome to the Charged Up Bolts Podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Bermudez. And on this podcast, we bring you the latest Chargers news, we preview and review every Chargers game, and of course, we go on the biggest rants when our coaches force us to lose another nail-biting game. Um, The Chargers, what's happened? Get ready, listeners. Brace yourselves, because it's going to be fiery. We're going to be spitting fire. It's not going to be pretty, I promise you that, because we're going to be dissecting the 31-30 loss to the Denver Broncos at Mile High Stadium. The Chargers lose yet another agonising game after leading this time by 21 points in the third quarter. Um, A terrible Broncos team that we seem to be able to run against at will and who have one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL was able to slice apart Gus Bradley's, sorry, I'm going to say it, warm butter defence at will. And Lynn's team lets Justin Herbert down yet again. We're going to figure out who's to blame. We're going to tell you who needs to be sacked. And what this team needs to do to stop breaking our hearts because we're fed up of it. As always, I'm joined by three frustrated co hosts the furious John was Jr.
0: I'm not talking, move on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the absolutely livid John Ayers. No comment. And the ever so slightly disgruntled Dan King. Hey, Bez. Dan, ah, no baby then no not yet oh dear just 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 let baby be a panthers fan less <laughs> heartbreak
3: we'll see um,
1: so, so let's start off guys i uh, forgot to do it last week so you can slap my slap me on the wrists but what are you drinking and more importantly which jersey is was wearing as a forfeit for this episode
0: so i am uh drinking water back on water <gasps> yeah yeah i'm off yeah i'm back on the water this is just shocking ever since i've come off the water we've we've imploded so i'm back on the water uh yeah i've got i'm wearing a a forfeit it's called an la Chargers jersey that's a forfeit okay because nobody else in the world's gonna wear one right now other than me so yeah
1: are you back on coffee then john
2: well much like the chargers season my cleanse is over so I'm back on a beautiful iced coffee, paired nicely with a uh, Brazilian carrot cake. Uh, compliments of one of my neighbors from uh, Halloween. They uh, they came over, left a bunch of candy, left a whole whole giant Brazilian carrot cake that I must now eat because you know I have to.
1: <laughs> and what are you sneaking, Mr. King?
2: It's
3: just a Dr. Pepper. Nothing exciting. I just That's just exciting. Well, it's the best drink, but yeah.
1: So all of your drinks are as disappointing as our football team. Is that what you're telling me, guys? Yep, yep. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Just listen to the lack of enthusiasm. What have this team done to us? They've burst our bubble. We had guaranteed wins. We were going on this big streak. I mean, we're only two games into our recovery. Uh, we all had us down as losing at least one game. Perhaps this is it. Um, but I do think, you know, as we move on to the Broncos review, that that this seems to be the big sort of co- the turning point for us um, and the, I think most fans have realised there is a problem um, there is a there is a poison within our team something is rotten in the state of the Chargers, and uh, it needs fixing what that is um, you know we'll come on to but first we'll look at the predictions we made and we're in the run-up to the game listeners Oof. you said major- majority of you is going to be a close ch- close Chargers win uh, and again, Lynn flatters to deceive, and we lose. So you you got that wrong. Um, I was correct in saying this was going to be a loss. So yet again, Nostradamus Bez comes trumps. Um, oh, I shouldn't I shouldn't say that word. It's election day. That might that might seem biased. I take it back. Um, was you did you not guarantee a win this week?
0: I did it was looking like it was uh, it was nailed <laughs> on, wasn't it? Until the wheels fell off.
1: It's, it's always nailed on until you guarantee it, and then the wheels fall off. I think you're back on water. Guarantee us nothing, and we might be okay. Um, I want to know what your biggest takeaway from this heart-wrenching defeat is, guys. Um, let's start off with um, Dan. Uh, what, what are your big takeaways? Any positives? What's um, making you miserable?
3: Um, Biggest takeaways? Yeah, coaches aren't great, are they? Um <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the nicest work put it um i think i think as as banged up as he's been brian bulaga returning to the team uh and the introduction of Owner at guard kind of just it enabled us to get something going on the ground and we know lynn wants to establish the run at every opportunity so it was good to see that happen against a not bad um broncos d-line um so that's that's at least one positive we can take away from it. Um, I guess another positive is maybe we're a step closer to having a different head coach for Justin Herbert.
1: <laughs> that's one way to look at it. That is fair <laughs> comment. And we're gonna we're gonna spit fire from Twitter with our listeners' comments later, and I've got a lot of them. So I think uh, yeah, you might have teed us up nicely for that. Um, was uh, what, what what's your
0: view? What, I, I, what are you thinking? I'm going to stick some positives. I can't be doing the negatives. Yeah, yeah the the running game, Jackson and Pope. I think uh, ran the football hard, so supported by uh, Joshua Kelly. Um, it's also good to see Badgley making his extra points and his field goals. So uh, that's a bit of a positive. And then of course, Mr. Gordon, Melvin Gordon himself, holding him to 21 yards off six carries, which was good to Drink. see. get yeah. It is another drink, but yeah, I think um, everything was going right up until the point where Denver thought they they could um, take the win, and obviously that's what they did. But uh, we need to stop Keenan Allen throwing the football as well. (laughs) That was a bit of a
2: disaster, wasn't it? I don't know. That play (laughs) looked honestly. That play looked well, and he just didn't set his feet. I think he hits the man. Uh, he can throw. I've seen him. I've seen him make some pretty good throws. So I would like to actually see that play again, but maybe get this time. He's no Melvin Ingram. I mean, obviously no.
1: Mm. He's more of a Rivers last year for the Chargers throwing in, throwing the long ball just too short, almost getting picked off. So <laughs> too soon. No, he's five and two. Um, so what was what was yours, uh, John? Uh, how,
2: how did you feel about the game? What was the
1: main takeaway for you? Um, are you crying? <laughs> Uh,
2: no, I'm not crying. I've, uh, I've run out of tears, so no more, no more (laughs) crying for me, but, uh, you know, yeah, I think I, I have to echo some of these other guys. I think Badgley got back on track finally, but of course it didn't matter. Um, you know, so we'll see how that goes. I'd like to see him hit a few more 50 plus yarders and then I'll be comfortable bringing him into camp next year. Uh, they better at least bring some competition though. Um, to me, Tremaine Pope, uh, he was the guy. He looked like the RB1. He showed vision. He showed burst. Uh, you know, honestly, he was the best running back out there. You know, I'm a big Joshua Kelly Stanton, but, uh, I mean, Pope just was the, be- was the best running back out there. And I don't know if you're giving out any kind of awards for running backs. It's got to be Pope. I don't know how you could look at anybody else out there. Um uh... <laughs> and uh you know also you know i want to give a little little shout out to my guys on the front line i thought they did a better job blocking this week i thought there was some good continuity on the right side of the line that we hadn't seen in a while uh you know practice squad (laughs) call up toner i thought he did a really, really admirable job. I mean, you know, he wasn't perfect by any means, but I, I think uh, him and Bulaga really either they com- I don't know if it was a communication thing. I don't know if it was just, they were, you know, they just knew what was going on, but they both seemed to really handle their assignments a lot better um, than they had in previous weeks. So, uh, I, you know, that, that was encouraging to see at least some sort of offensive line play that wasn't complete and utter trash. Uh, and I think a bounce back uh, from some of our defenders, uh, specifically Casey Hayward, I think he's had the last couple of games he showed uh he showed that he's you know he's not washed like I had been worried about um I, I think that there are there he should play better this week than he did last week I think I don't know what I don't know what his problem was to start the year but he looks like he might be coming back into form which is obviously a good sign for the chargers because uh if he's not playing well then you know nobody's playing well especially after they jettison king so that was kind of my takeaway from the game
1: yeah I think you make some some spot on points there. I mean, for me, I thought we looked like a playoff team. I mean, maybe the Broncos made us look that way, but we looked like we could run at will. We, um, we, which is nice to see that the the improvement and the way that that right hand side of the line, apart from that one, was it fourth down that Coltona got absolutely blown up. Apart from that, looked like a um, a Chargers team that could run the ball. Herbert was Herbert. You know, Keen Allen was elite as always, and I thought, wow. This is how we should perform uh, the defense looked like it could stop them at every turn and then Gus Bradley did what Gus Bradley does best and decided that he wanted to finish challenging a you know drew awful lock and just wanted to let him complete all these intermediate fast passes for easy scores so thanks Gus um you know I think we were all on board with the coaching staff we were optimistic this year and this has burst my bubble and I think we need an immediate change on defense and I told I said in the bye week. We need to go out and get some cojones and um, we, we we've seen this this coaching team decide that at two scores up we we've won the game in the third quarter, and there's no need to try in the fourth quarter, and it's been disastrous. They'd obviously had a nice change of thought pl- process in the bye week, and decided we would give up when we were three scores up this week. <laughs> so uh, you know, I, I don't know what I don't know what um, score we we would need to be ahead to be safe. I would just like the team to play through four quarters. <laughs> Fifty, yeah, just play through four quarters. Keep trying to win. Keep trying to score. Don't try and just run time off the clock at the beginning of the fourth quarter. It's going to come back and hurt you. Take up time. There was one point where a stat came up. And we had like twenty odd minutes of the game time of possession for the Chargers compared to, you know, significantly less for the Broncos. And we decided, no, I can't be asked. We're just going to give it back to them couple of times let them close the gap let them win the game and predictably uh we we have the uh desmond king traded away or he wasn't at the time we have his replacement is it campbell who i kept thinking was Jaleela adai so thanks campbell for uh <laughs> but he was he was obviously put in the team to be the jaleel Die replacement and he did an amazing job he lost us the game by losing his man <laughs> giving up penalties <laughs> uh so well done um but you know it, it's depressing um, another divisional defeat. When was the last time we won a game in the division?
0: 2018.
1: Jesus wept. Unbelievable. Wow, That just takes your breath away. You, I
0: mean, the, the other takeaway is Philip Lindsay's 55-yard run. If he hadn't have done that, you know, they'd, they'd be looking at 53 yards on on uh, offense, Denver. Um, and you could argue that Lindsay is a difference maker on that team because he was he he was the catalyst for that comeback. How we make that stop. He's
3: their best running back.
0: Yeah. How we make that stop though? I mean, if you look at, if you look at the tackling stats, charges total 49, Denver 84. Yeah. Arguably we've had more of the ball. We are running it hard, but you know, we, we've got to make stops. We really have. And is it, is it down to conditioning and, and fitness? Are we, are we struggling towards the end of the games because we just can't keep up? We, you know, um, I know there's altitude, I'm not I'm not buying that, it's a thousand metres, I get it. But it's not we're not playing at the top of Everest. Did you see the image of Keenan Allen? I think it was it was early in the fourth. He, he made a nice uh, reception and he was breathing really hard uh, on the sideline. Um But that's 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 for the, that's for the coaching staff to get our players ready at the start of the season. Completely agree. We've gotta be we've gotta be fitter doesn't matter what sport you play whether it's rugby soccer football you know hockey in the, in the nba if you're not fit you're not going to compete because the your mental attributes start to falter when your your legs and your your lungs are screaming uh for, for more oxygen so is you know are we are we not conditioned correctly i don't know you'd have to ask the front office that question or or the players if we ever got on the podcast but there's something not right there.
1: Well, we have all the injuries, and we don't seem to be able to finish games. Mentality and fitness, um, you know, lacking, lacking. Players on the side, knackered. I mean, don't get me wrong. We we ask a lot of Bosa, but several times he's been absolutely yeah. shattered on the side, and good. you need someone to step up, Melvin Ingram, in look his good place. Either.
2: Melvin looked tired. Um, What's
1: Noah done in that game? Well, to, to, in, in to, fairness, to come Ingram's in. coming
2: back from injury, so he hasn't been training yes. full hard. So, he he did... and um, Bosa got uh, got a concussion, so it's not that's he not did. a fitness thing. That's getting hit in the head. Like you can't.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's
2: nah, that's a it. It's fake. <laughs>
1: they they want Lin out. They're pretending. You just yeah, a bit dizzy. I mean,
0: <laughs> th- those hits Pope and, and uh, Bosa. As the league done anything about that? I mean. No. I know it happens. It happens. Look, it's a contact sport. They throw
3: AJ Boyer into that as well.
0: Yeah, it's uh, something not right there. Well,
1: you know, I, I, they we even lost that game because Boyer, you know, went out and and we weren't able to take advantage of it. Uh, what a disappointing end. But I want to turn it positive. So, what? Who are the players of the week? Who stood out the most for you guys? Um, I'm going to give was the first shout uh, this week um, on
0: on choosing two. Offensive first for you Uh, Justin Jackson I think we've seen him struggling 17 carries, 89 yards I I think he uh, Supplemented the running game really well So that was pleasing to see Um, Obviously he and Pope Responded to Coach Lynn's Call to arms So happy with that Do you want the defence now or just the offence?
1: Just the offense, okay. I think. Yeah, you don't don't get greedy. <laughs> I'll step in second and con- uh, counter your Justin Jackson and say I'm going to give it to Tremaine Pope. So I thought, did we just sign him with the practice squad straight into this team? And he looked like lights out, great. I mean, all the running backs looked like they could do a job, which I think says more about the Broncos than anything else. But um, I thought he looked nimble and fast and intelligent. And Justin Jackson lost it for me when he didn't when he went out of bounds and lost us. He didn't go down in bounds and. We didn't run any time off the clock. So uh, it's Pope for me. I challenge your running back and I raise you another running back. Um Dan.
3: Um so I've gone for Keenan uh for offense for this week. Um Good show. What, uh, Good show. eleven targets, nine receptions, uh, sixty seven yards and his touchdown. He was he was there. He was always there, he was always available, um turning guys inside and out and um we've already covered
2: his passing attempt, but um we'll just ignore that for now. Yeah, he's good. He's a good football player. Well, you know I love me some big nasties, so I'm going to have to go with Cole, <laughs> Cole Toner. Uh, I think, you know, again, another guy elevated from the practice squad who showed, you know, that uh, maybe he was better than <laughs> than whoever else was ahead of him. I mean, St. Louis has been awful. I saw a stat today about, you know, the about some tracked missed assignments, uh, missed blocks, and Toner uh he did not lead the team but he had six in 78 snaps compared to st louis sorry you said tona oh sorry sorry. st louis yeah st louis had six missed assignments slash blown uh blown blocks in 78 snaps that's a lot i mean it that is atrocious so i mean he was just complete garbage out there um and I just think that the fact that they elevated Toner and he, he, he got the job done, I think uh, that was very impressive. I thought that him and Bulaga both did a good job on the right side. Um, so, you know, I, I think I, I'd be remiss if I didn't give him my Offensive Player of the Week.
3: Smart guy as well, Coltono. What He's a Harvard grad, isn't
2: he? Uh, Where is he? I mean, I guess Harvard. I mean, Yale betters, but whatever.
1: <laughs> oh just lose half our listenership or maybe you know fair enough i'm gonna let you go first then on defensive uh, who are you having for that
2: on defense uh i'm gonna go with a guy that i've been kind of hard on who i thought he had a good bounce back game and he wasn't perfect Um, By any means. I mean, nobody on defense was obviously in that second half, but from a coverage standpoint, I think he showed why he's one of the better coverage corners in the league. And that's Casey Hayward. I I really appreciated the job he did. Uh, He, he wasn't exactly the best tackler out there, but again, who was uh, and I just think that for a team that's starting Tavon Campbell uh, and Brandon face getting meaningful snaps uh, it's really important that you have someone like Casey Hayward out there you know doing a great job in coverage so I'm going to give it to him for stepping up uh, his game and hopefully continue to put together some good games moving forward
1: nice I, I think that's an I gave an apology last week uh, I think this is the uh, second apologies he's gonna receive because he's improving I, I'll take that's fair Um
3: Dan. Um so I've gone for Kazir White. Um this week I think our linebacker call was a bit lost. Um especially in that second half, but overall Kazir White was he was in and amongst it uh more often than not. Um putting in good effort as well. Um so I, I couldn't really fault him. Um um so yeah, that's that's Kazir White for me. Fair enough. I, I you know, I, again,
1: he's he is headed towards my defensive player of the year for the Chargers overall, and I think we'll do that at the end. And I haven't, maybe I've cornered the market on him there, but I'll, I'll let you jump on board later on. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, really impressive. Um, but for me, I think I'm going to challenge you and say it's, it's Jerry, Jerry Tillery. Uh, he's been really hit and miss, really up and down throughout the season. There's been games where he's just completely anonymous and, and doesn't finish. Whereas for this, he kept showing up, kept flashing. Um, I spent some time focusing on him. And there was once once where it was a bit of a blown assignment from the uh, Broncos O-line. And they they tripled him. Uh, and he managed to beat it and needed to get a hit on Drew Locke. So uh, I, I saw some stuff I really liked. Some strength. Some uh, speed. So uh, so Jerry, you know, pat on the back. I want to see more of these games than the anonymous ones. Who are you having, was?
0: I'm going for JJ, Justin Jones. He recorded 44% of our tackles for loss. Two tackles for loss. Quite aggressive in them plays. Um, it's good to see. Yeah, I think... um be interested to see how he, uh, how he fares in week nine against the Raiders.
1: Well... It's going to be a big challenge. We'll be talking about a little bit later. First off, listeners, we're going to put that vote to you. You get to decide which of our nominations is chosen for our uh, offensive and defensive players of the week. And then we will publish the winners on Twitter. Let's move on to listener questions. We have listener comments. We have lots of communication coming in from our listenership. So I'm going to start off by saying a huge thank you to everybody that submitted something um, we're really grateful. I know it's not the best circumstance coming off a, a heart-wrenching defeat, but your uh, your content coming to us is, is much appreciated. So I'm going to start off. We've received a, a really good email um, with a question from uh, Sam. So thank you for your email. First emailed question we've received. And he asks, he wants our take on whether Gus Bradley's stubbornness is the main contributing factor to the team's downfall. He says that he, he looks through Gus Bradley's record. It isn't all that, apart from a couple of fluky seasons in Seattle. Um, and that does he even allow Lynn to have much of a say in the defensive scheme and adjustments? Is is this a main reason why we're bad? Are we going to blame Gus, uh, ultimately? Um, Was take it away.
0: Ooh, that's a tough question. You The argument that says that, yeah, you, you've got to blame him because... We came into this season and a lot of uh, ex-pros and senior journalists said that we had the the, argument the best secondary in the league and a top three defence. Well, we've not seen either of that uh, yet. We've got injuries. We've lost Derwin James, but we can only play with the the players that we've got, and that's the same for all the the opposition. So we've already spoke about um, the Chiefs in week two when they changed things up. Uh, they changed the tempo, the cadence of the game, and we didn't adjust. Now, there's got to be a reason why the head, the, the, the uh, defensive coordinator is is not making those adjustments or is failing to realise that he's got to do it. Now, if you go back to the playoffs against the Ravens, we obviously studied, and we put a game plan in and it worked. And you're thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to roll here. But then you've just alluded to it, Bez in Seattle, you know, he had that he had that defence for spells that were really good, but he's not being consistent. So is he is he a bit too one dimensional, arguably? But then there's an element that the 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 defence where they got they got to execute. Was it last week when Jerry Tillery gave away that stupid penalty? You know that, that was that was avoidable. Um and you can coach that all day long. But the players have got to go there and keep their discipline. Make sure you're not doing uh, offensive pass interference. Make sure you haven't got the face masks. So the majority of it is on the coaching side, but the players have to take responsibility as well. But, you know, Gus Bradley is in the firing line, in a big style from from all angles. Um, and it's whether or not the senior pros like Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa, Casey Haywood have lost his um, trust. I think John May speak a bit more about Casey Haywood uh, in his segment but yeah I think he's got to take the brunt of it you know the book stops the head coach will actually or does it stop the, with the uh, general manager but defensive coordinators get paid to do their job and if they, you know if it's not working out something has to change either defensive coordinator goes back to football school or he takes a long, hard look at the situation, puts his hands up, and say, "Yeah, it's on me." I haven't seen this week's press conference with uh, Gus. Uh, I've only seen it with Lin saying that he's sorry. But I think the coaches have to take the brunt of the responsibility, but the players also have to stand up and say,
3: "Yeah, it's 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 hard to judge someone's stubbornness without knowing them personally." But that that lack of Change an apparent lack of change um, in all of these games has to make you think there's something more to it. Um, it has to make you think that he's having a say in something that he's maybe showing that he's not capable of having that say in. Um, I, I do put blame on Gus Bradley. I, um, I was actually looking back at notes I took during the game a couple of weeks ago. And I um, wrote in big bold letters in the middle of my page fire gus um, I'm, <laughs> I'm still there so that was that was the saints game um so yeah I, I I think there's got to be an element of stubbornness I think Gus Bradley is a bit of a problem for us and I think... The fact that we're not making adjustments has to be something to do with either stubbornness or just misplaced pride.
0: Uh, can, can I just add in there as well before John jumps in? We've gave up. We gave up thirty one points and twenty nine respectively to two really poor offenses, Denver and the Jags.
1: Yeah, well, let's bring in John because he is the defender of Gus Bradley, the defender of the faith. His his biggest fan, John. Say, save your guy from this onslaught.
2: Well, I think what everybody else needs to remember about the entire situation is that I've always been about firing Gus Bradley. This guy is
3: horrible. He (laughs) has
2: no idea what he's doing. I just, I, part of the reason I needed a cleanse is there was just too much warm butter in my system. Um, Look, yes, I, I am an, I have defended Gus Bradley in the past and, you know, I think that there is something to be said about the fact that it hasn't always been the sexiest defense, but it's been an effective defense. Well, it has stopped being effective. It has stopped being effective. And that's the problem I was able to, you know, before the Tampa Bay game, you know, they were actually playing fairly well and um, you know, they were, they were keeping opponents down to reasonable scores. And then Tampa Bay happened and I was like, that's not good. It's not good at all. Uh, You know, and then, Uh, and then new Orleans, uh, it was an okay game, not great, but then the amount of points that they were letting Jacksonville put up on the board. And then now this Denver game it is it is showing a trend of Gus Bradley's defense, um, being unable to get enough turnovers to make stops in the second half um they don't show an aggressiveness um that they need they so they show the wrong kind of aggressiveness is the second game in a row where the second half touchdown has been directly related to 15 yard unnecessary roughness penalties two weeks in two weeks in a row that's happened and it's just uncalled for you know the big testament about this defense is that yes they allow you to dink and dunk um but they either hold you a field goal or they make you take half the Quarter just to score, and that's fine. If his defense had been able to do that, if they had, if they had stuck to their calling card, they the Chargers would have won this game. But they did not. They allowed quick touchdowns. They were allowing Denver to move down the field quickly and efficiently. It was just not a good effort. And you know, you can talk all day long about the players need to execute, and they do. And there was some poor execution out there for sure. But you know, part of that too is just having your team mentally prepared and ready to go. And they don't seem like they have that. They don't seem like they have the discipline. I'm just wondering, you know, after multiple weeks of, unnecessary roughness penalties leading to touchdowns is there any accountability is anybody is he chewing anybody out for that or is he just saying well you got to be smarter that was dumb and moving on because it doesn't sound like he's he's got any discipline going and uh, someone mentioned Casey Hayward and just today uh recording this on a Tuesday the trade deadline which was you know basically nothing uh but we'll probably get to that in a later segment um Casey Hayward was responding to a fan on Twitter and saying that the players would do all they can to fix this. He didn't say the team. He didn't say coaching. He didn't say we. He said the players, which to me is an indictment on the coaches. It is a, hey, the players are going to have to do something about this because the coaching staff can't. And that to me means that, Gus Bradley has lost whatever trust or faith that this defense had in him and his system. I believe they've lost it. And at that point, you're an ineffective coordinator and you need to go. So I'm all on board in firing Gus Bradley. But I will, I will warn you this. That is not the only firing that needs to happen. I think Anthony Lynn is ultimately responsible for this. I think ulti- Anthony Lynn can keep saying, well, I've been saying since last year, we need to be more aggressive. We need to get turnovers. Well, that's great. It's your job to make it happen. The, the defensive coordinator is your employee. He is underneath you. You are in charge of him. If he's not doing what you're saying, you need to make him accountable. And he hasn't just like he hasn't made George Stewart accountable. I mean, George Stewart makes more sense. That's his favorite guy. You know, that's, that's the guy who elevated him uh, in, in Denver and made him a special teams guy and a stalwart on that team. So of course, you know, he brings Stewart in to be his special teams coach. And of course he's never going to fire him because that's his guy. That's another story. My point is ultimately this falls on Lynn. Yes. Fire Gus Bradley. He needs to go, but But really, Lynn is the one that needs to go because he's the one who's allowing this to happen. It's all on his watch, and he is the one ultimately to blame. So that's all I have to say about that. Well,
1: well, several people on Twitter have come back at us saying, you know, who would you sack right now? And I think that's a different question as to who would you sack, because I think a lot of us would be on board with getting rid of the entire coaching staff towards the end of the season. But I suppose my question back at you, John is right
2: now you're tom telesco this second who, who you sack him today if i'm tom telesco i'm sacking anthony lynn and i'm saying and i'm sacking gus bradley and probably taking george stewart out too just because i have a personal <laughs> vendetta against him but um <laughs> yeah. they're all three gone i think shane Steichen's done a fine job i don't think he has done anything worth getting fired over i think he's improved week over week um he, do I think he's a brilliant young mind? I don't know. I'm not convinced on that, but I think he's done a good job with it, with the offensive uh, that that's in front of him. So I'm going to give him a pass on his job. Um, but if the new head coach comes in and says, Hey, you know, I want to bring my coordinator in, I'm not going to bat an eye. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to say, well, you can't be our head coach because you can't bring in your coordinator. Uh, which is again, my fear with Telesco is that he's going to, if he fires Lynn, he's going to bring in a head coach and say, Hey, look, you can bring in your own coordinator and other staff, but you know, Steichen is untouchable. He's our, he's our OC. Like that's my worry about Telesco is doing that kind of garbage. But anyways, um, I, I think they've got to go. I think that this is all about establishing a new culture. Lynn was supposed to establish a new culture, a winning culture. He has not. He's established a losing culture. He's established. He's re-established the choking culture. That's what he's established. And I think if you, as a GM, want to send a message to players and honestly to fans and the rest of the league, you know who who basically look at the Chargers as a laughing stock. They look at the Chargers as up. Oh, Chargers gonna charge. Oh, talk about chargering, right? That's the joke. Blowing leads is what the chargers are now are known for around the league of, Oh, they're going to find new and creative ways to lose. Well, you know what you want to start? You want to nip that in the butt as a general manager, you fire Anthony Lynn and you send a message to everyone saying, you know what, as an organization, chargering is not a thing that we believe in. It's not a thing that we endorse. So I just don't think, Telesco has the balls because Telesco fired uh, hired him, and I think Telesco has a soft spot for him. He needs to fire Lynn and send a message. Losing will not be tolerated. Choking away leads will not be tolerated in this organization. So when he hires the next coach, they can't come in and go, well, I should get at least three years. You gave Lin four, and that dude cannot win a game to save his life. So anyways. <laughs> we're fired up now. Now we're enrolling. Um, the thing
1: is with, 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 with all of this is that you're right. There's, the culture is wrong, but I'm going to touch on what you said about Steichen um, and, and also bring in Pep Hamilton. That if this fr- if this franchise is now committing to Justin Herbert, the goat, and we're planning for the future around him, you don't want to be chopping and changing. If, you, if he he talked about in the draft process that the worst year at Oregon was when they chopped and changed. In fact, he had that every year, uh, and it's a gamble. It, it's uncertain for a young quarterback. Steichen seems to be growing with him. I think he calls plays that suit him and Pep Hamilton is is done wonders with the lad. So, you know, I would keep them in and around the organisation. Um, how you how you build that, I don't know. And my biggest problem, um, and I'm going to pick up on Brendan's comments on Twitter here to, uh, to throw this out as well for people to consider, is that uh, there's someone else that needs to go that we are not mentioning. So Brendan believes that uh, Dean Spanos needs to sell the team and that he is too cheap and uninspired to bring in a coach that will lead this Chargers team to victory so was do you think Dean Spanos needs to sell us to to win or do you think that it's more a coaching uh, issue
0: let me just go back to the previous point before I answer that You, you talked about Justin Herbert Oregon don't forget college players are playing for the right to play in the NFL so they want consistency they want to be drafted you know, they, they want to go to um, a team um, as, as a QB1, where the NFL is different. You're you, you playing for divisional titles and uh, conference championships, obviously the Super Bowl. So that, I think that's where that and money comes in. You know, Herbert's arguably got, if you look at Tom Brady as a benchmark and even uh, Rivers and, and Big Ben, you know, Herbert's got a 20-year career ahead of him. So if he has three or four coaching changes between now and the end of that uh, time, you know, sell a V. But in in, in college, you, you're playing for consistency to get to the NFL. To answer your question, does Dean Spanos need to sell the team? Well, he's not exactly the most... Uh, how can I put it? He's, he's not a favourite, is he, amongst the fans for a number of reasons. Um, if, you, if you look around sports franchises, not just in, in, in the NFL, some are absolutely... Really good and on the money. Others are just not up to the task. It seems to me that Sparnos is a very uh stubborn man. I mean, why on earth would you what you talk about laughing stock? Okay, so why on earth would you put the bloody charges in a football stadium? That was embarrassing. That is absolutely embarrassing. I, I don't. I didn't get that one bit. You know, it, it made no sense. John was talking about the, the league laughing at us. Right there. Forget about what's going wrong on the pitch. If you put us in a soccer stadium, was it 26000 stub StubHub held or something like that? That's just that's just embarrassing. You know, why not just go and play in uh, in one of the, the, the college arenas? Probably because they wanted $35 a game as opposed to a dollar a game or something. I don't know. But that all starts with the culture. If the players don't feel like they're getting uh, what they deserve, they're going to get the hump. I'm, I'm going to be talking here now, and a lot of our listeners will go, Whoa. But if you look way back to 2002 in the World Cup, the Republic of Ireland went out there, and Roy Keane threw his toy out of the pram because they were on uh, economy class flights. They believe that, or he and some of the players believe that they weren't getting the best treatment. Now, set the culture. Today's modern stars, they expect to get paid. They expect to have a the right training facilities. They expect to be able to come to work um, and, and, and be looked after because at the end of the day, they're the ones that bring the money and the revenue in. Without the players, there is no sport. So I think Spanos has to take some blame for what's going on. Yeah, Whether or not Tom Telesco, he, he could be the middleman in all of this, you know, he's made some great draft picks, but we've always said that this is a lottery. We didn't know how Justin Herbert was going to turn out. I will probably put a curse on it now. He'll probably wake up tomorrow morning, go to training, and and, and sprain his ACL or something. That's just that's just the bad luck that we've got as a charges. You don't know what you're going to get in the in the first round, second round, etc. So yeah, I think I think Spalos has to has to um, take some responsibility. Should he sell the team? Be careful what you wish for. You and I know that, Bez. Look at what's going on with our soccer club at the minute. Mate,
1: we've just won. What are you talking about with the greatest? Look look,
0: look (laughs) at what's going on. I mean, you look at, um, you you know, you look at some of the franchises. um, Look at the Jags. It just just seems absolute chaos there. They don't know their owners don't. They've got one finger in one pie, one finger in another. Do you want that, or do you want a? Do you want an owner? Somebody like. Robert Kraft or or Jerry Jones, all they're interested in is their football team. Okay, I'm not saying Spanos is is not, but selling them just to somebody, uh, you know, anybody with a load of money, you know, uh, is that the right way to go about business? Just be careful what you wish for.
3: Just to say, allegedly Robert Kraft does have some more interests than just his football team, but we'll leave that as allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> So, so Dan,
1: are you um, are you gonna sack Lin and get Dean
3: Spanos to sell the team, or are you holding on to them? I'd be sacking Lin um, at least. Um, in my latest uh, timeout piece on charge I've I've written about uh, Lin briefly um, at the end of my piece because uh, I've mentioned before I think he's a really good leader, not necessarily a good coach. I don't think that so much anymore Um, because if your team's giving up this kind of lead repeatedly, you've got to question the player's motivation and motivation comes down to leadership. Uh, Leadership comes back to the head coach. Um, I just don't, I don't see a way forward with him. Uh, I'd rather get rid of him now in probably go for a better phrase, uh, let him go now. And, um, just stick Hamilton as interim for now. Keep Steichen and Hamilton there with Herbert. Keep that consistency for him and just ride out the rest of the season like that. See what happens. As far as it goes with Spanos, um, I don't know. I, Without knowing his direct influence on what is happening, we don't know if he's backing Lin um, and not allowing Telesco to do anything. We don't know if he's completely disconnected from it um so i i don't know that i'd say either way yes he needs to sell yes he needs to keep it um but i wouldn't be against it um just just to see what happens i'm just intrigued really
2: <laughs> at all
1: <laughs> well i think guys you ha- all of you have uh, leveled trumped up charges at uh, lynn and, and bradley and that I'm going to be biding my time um, on and not sacking them to the end of the year. <laughs> Oh, dear. Uh,
2: Best. Can, I'm can here we, every Can week, we boys. get a cut there? Can we get an edit? Thank you.
0: Oh, dear.
1: <laughs> Take a shot. I'm here every week, boys. I'm here every week. Yeah. So, uh, no, no, in all honesty. John's going to Trump, you yeah,
0: with that one.
3: <laughs> Just want to throw in my two pence. This is harassment.
0: Oh, oh boy! This, That's this amazing. is this is, a, yeah. All those listeners just unfollowed us on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> <Just>
3: <laughs>
1: unreal, so nice. but no. In, in all seriousness, you know, we've 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 moved from San Diego um, to to LA, supposedly to become a big market team, uh, and I assume because Dean wants to make some pretty pennies, thinking that the team's going to be worth more. Um, but he's a small market, closed-minded owner who does not have the pockets deep enough to fund a team to success. Nor does he have, and his son John, the uh, get up and go to go out and be bold and get a big name. So that is that swings both ways. That means you're going to get a Lin-type character to come in. Uh, You're not going to go out and get a big name and spend money. That's why we were never getting Brady, not that I wanted him. But that's why we, ne- we never go after the biggest names in free agency. Um, and Tom Telesco's worked out nicely, but he was a lesser name in the market at the time, uh, a highly touted one. Um, and I like that we've got him, but that's the kind of people we go after. So if we want, um, you know, as you, as you said, John, um, if we want to, to, to get rid of Lynn, we have to be careful that we're not jumping out of the fire frying pan and into the fire. And, uh, you know, I think we need to take stock. I think, uh, we have to figure out what, what what are we looking for because if we're going for it next year, if we if we're definitely thinking this is our window, are we are we really bringing in a new coach midway through this season? I'd rather keep keep Lin in, uh, get rid of Gus Bradley, and, um, and 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 let's reassess in the off season. would be Would be my preference. So, guys, the Twitter questions. Wow, you are coming at us this week. So, Adam wants to know. Is Tom Telesco on the hot seat because he never seems to be able to find the right coach? Um, I'm going to go straight to Costa Rica. John,
2: I'm going to say no, um, with a caveat that one, he needs to fire Lynn this season. We can't go. We can't waste another season in this Herbert window. And I call it a Herbert window not because Herbert is ready to carry this team to Super Bowl. I think he can help the team win a Super Bowl, but I don't think he's ready to carry it. But he is on his rookie scale contract right now. This is the time when you can surround him with expensive players and, and an expensive roster because he's going to take a very minimal cap hit for you. So right now, this year, I'm not counting that badly because we were probably not going to do much anyways. You know, I, I thought we had a chance at making the playoffs. I thought it was a real chance, but I didn't think they were going to do anything when they got there. I thought they were just going to make it. And it was going to be a good story for the team to build upon for Herbert's first year, next year. So the fact that we're getting to see Herbert this year early and he's getting this experience, that means next year is the, is this is the real opening of the window next year is the first year that we've got him on a rookie scale contract and he's ready to really be a leader of this team. Um, so, I don't think Telesco can screw around and try to give Lynn that one more prove a year. You know, it's just, I'm sorry. You know, you you have one bad year. Okay. That's fine. You have two really, you have two bad years in a row. That's not fine. You got to move on. You got to find a coach that can take this team to the next level because you've got to capitalize on that. So that being said, I think that Telesco has done a great job in every other area with this team. Yes. The line, the O line could use some, can use some help, but you know, there's, there's a little bit of the coaching involved in that. There's a little bit of other things involved in that, but I think he's built a really good roster. I think he's done a really good job in the draft. He finds undrafted free agents. He, he finds gems in the mid rounds and he's consistently hits in the first round. Is he a hundred for, you know, is he a hundred percent? No, he's not, but no GM is. I think though, that if you can produce the kind of talent that he has drafting in the first round, I think that you are doing a great job. And the icing on the cake, the cherry on top of the GM Sunday is the fact that the most important position in the NFL, the most important position on the team is quarterback. And he nailed yeah. that pick. He nailed it. We all, we all had some concerns. Nobody was like, oh, for sure, Justin Herbert's the best quarterback in this draft. Nobody thought that. Nobody. I'm sorry. I, I, I was a two, a guy. I know there's, uh, you know, and I know there's other people who were like, Oh, Burrow definitely is better. You know, whatever, you know, there's, there was debate about who the best one was, but it's generally Burrow, or Tua, it was not a whole lot of, oh, it's for sure Justin Herbert. So nobody saw the kind of rapid development coming from Justin Herbert. But, uh, you know, he did. Telesco did. He saw it and said, you know what, this kid's, this kid's got it. This kid can be coached up. And he did the right thing by bringing in Pep Hamilton to make sure that he developed. And, you know, for me, when you find a franchise quarterback um, the first try, you kind of get a pass on the coaching because you can find coaches coaches come out of nowhere you know you can you can get coaches it is not easy to find an NFL franchise quarterback and it is not easy to find a quarterback who puts up the kind of historic numbers that Justin Herbert did i mean he's got more passing yards and more touchdowns than Mahomes did from uh, through his first 6 career starts yes mahomes was 6 and 0 and herbert's 1 and 5 but that's another story you know wins are not a QB stat so I don't know. I, I personally think that Telesco has a pretty long leash, but he's got to fire Lynn and he's got to find a good coach and he can't miss. If he misses on a third straight coach, he's done. He, he can't like, I don't care how good he is at drafting. He, he can't, you can't be the GM if you can't find a coach. I, I just, it, it's not, it's not a good deal. So that's, that's where I think uh, Telesco should uh, probably still have a job.
1: Well, longer leash there for Telesco than the coaches, and I think that's fair enough. I, 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 I agree with you. Um, you know, Dan, you're you're nodding, you're giving Telesco time.
3: Yeah. Um, pretty much the same reasons as John. There, I mean, you you talk about getting the right coach, and that is something he has to do. He has to let go of Lin and get someone in. But I can't. I don't think you can understate um what's happened with the draft. Uh, I mean ignore this year's draft too soon to even consider but look at last year you got Tillery Nass Pipkins Tranquil Stick Boole, and Broughton or Brufton uh, all with the team um even Easton Stick getting some playtime uh look at 2018 Darwin obviously uh Chan Justin Jones Kazir White Scootsy Q Dylan Cantrell but Justin Jackson there all apart from Dylan Cantrell making some contribution. Um, year before that, you can go back. You can look at Mike Williams, Forrest Lamp, Dan Feeney, Rayshon Jenkins, Desmond King, uh, Sam Tevy and Isaac Rochelle. They're all people who have or are making contributions to the current roster. Um, so he's he's definitely got that experience with the draft now that I think, I think you can't just say, yep, throw him out with everyone else, especially as John mentioned, he picked Herbert. Um, but yeah, there needs to be something done at coaching and it lies with him and he needs to do well.
2: Yeah. Don't go throwing the baby out with the bathwater there, Dan. That's good. Practical advice.
3: That's good parenting advice. I will write that down.
1: (laughs) This is no longer just a childish podcast. We give family tips as well on how to raise a child. Um, was, do you, um, do you think Tom Klesko, uh, needs to sharpen his knife when he's picking the next coach, do you think he should go? No, he shouldn't Um, shouldn't
0: go you know, he probably didn't foresee that Coach Slim was going to have such a horrendous 2019 and 2020 he's got one more shot and if you look at the draft, the other two guys have have nailed it on the head, he's made some awesome picks, Bosa Derwin James, Herbert alright, James has been injured, we haven't seen the best of him, we're not going to let him go He's going nowhere. He's going to be a charger for life. Anybody saw the um, um, the NFL show on Game Pass earlier? It's been reported that Russell Wilson is spending a million dollars a year out of his own pocket to stay healthy and in the game. It's a brutal sport. So, you know, the, the Seahawks aren't in any uh, hurry to get rid of Russell. And I think the Chargers will be doing the same thing to keep Derwin James. You know, they, they saw something in that they went after him and Telesco, as John said, you need as a GM, you've got to be good at everything. You've got to be able to draft, you've got to pick the right coaching staff, you've got to get the right personnel in and it just hasn't worked out for uh, Antolin. Can he turn it around? I'm not going to sit here and say yes because we thought we could. It doesn't look like he can, but... Somebody put on Twitter the other day on the charged at Bolts feed, one of the tweets of the year. If the GM is not actively looking for his next man, he's doing something wrong. Because let's be honest, head coaches, they might retire, they could get sick. We don't want to see that, obviously. But they've always got to be looking on the horizon. And and the head coach should always be looking over his shoulder. Unless you're. I mean, look look at Bill Belichick, what he's done in New England. That. Dynasty is now coming to a, um, an end, but um, you know, the, the Patriots are gonna to have to start looking down the line at who's gonna replace him. And so, Lynn is, is certainly looking over his shoulder. And I, I'm, you know, I wouldn't be surprised when we were prior to the Jacksonville game if we, if, if Telesco wasn't looking on the market to see who's avail, available. The other thing that's interested me with sport is sometimes you get snippets of information of what's going on. And I know sometimes I refer to soccer. I was in a fortunate position to know that Steve Bruce was going to Sheffield Wednesday before most people did because one of his uh, coaching staff um, is a, a family member of, of somebody that works with me. And when they got there, they didn't like the culture and they were very quick to go north up to uh, Newcastle. But it's it's quite interesting. Reluctant, you know, reluctant to go there in the first place. Then they took the job. How many potential top head coaches, coordinators, um, have spoken to the charges and walked away? We said it last week. There's not a lot that gets leaked out of the building, so I'd be really, really interested to be a fly on the wall to see who actually Tom Telesco has spoken to. Um, I can't remember who was in the line for the job when uh, Lynn was was appointed. Uh, didn't Lynn have a, an interview with the 49ers? I, I believe he, d- he didn't take it. Uh, he obviously got appointed for, for for us. But, yeah, I'd be really interested to know who, who we've spoken to or who we are speaking to um. at this current time.
2: I mean, I don't know if you can legally speak to anybody without getting permission Uh, At this point, that would be tampering. So I would imagine he... I'd imagine the extent of what Telesco might be doing for looking at a a coach is just making a list. Uh, You know, maybe maybe talking to some people who know them.
0: Yeah, that's Um, what I mean. Third parties.
2: Yeah, because obviously you can't make any contact with anybody. Um, But I would have to imagine that um, this job is an extremely attractive job. There are pieces in place on a roster that is continuously graded as one of the top rosters going into the season, obviously before injuries. Um, They've replaced a aging statue that was Phillip rivers with one of the most exciting young quarterbacks to come on the league since Patrick Mahomes. Um, You know, they've got a really, really talented group of skill players, um, you know, and really, it, it, there's only a few major holes, right? Like, you know, the offensive line needs to be shored up. I mean, again, try Turner um, did message uh, on Facebook, respond to a fan saying, you know, alluding to the fact that he might be coming back this week, which is exciting. So being able to see this line with Bulaga and Turner in it um, is very exciting to me. Um, so this line, you know, they may just be a tackle away from being, you know, a solid unit. And, uh, So to me, this is a very, very appealing job, and I don't think it would be hard to convince anybody to choose this job over some of those other jobs out there. Like Atlanta, a lot of problems there on the defensive side of the ball, some real question marks about the offensive side of the ball, and like what exactly the future of that of that offense is. Um, You know, you've got Houston, which is you know it's got some good pieces, but all around it's, it's a tough, tough job to to consider. Uh, I think we all assume that the jets are going to need a new head coach. Uh, They've got some talent on that roster, I guess, but ultimately they've been, they've been through hell with a coach who has really destroyed locker room morale and, you know, and positivity. So there's going to be a lot of damage control for that job. Um, You know, I just, I, but, I find it hard to believe that there's going to be any other opening this this coming up year that's more attractive than the Chargers. So they should have what, their pick what, of the litter.
0: What is if we throw a spanner in the works here? If Mike McCarthy gets fired at Dallas,
2: uh, I think he's got more than one year. I in. I would say yeah. Jerry Jones is too stubborn to not. I mean Jerry Jones, for all of his you know all of his meddling and all of his like knee jerk reactions. Uh, he actually has a long history of sticking with his yeah. head coaches so i actually but don't Jer- expect jerry's that to knocking open. on
0: jerry's getting on in his in his you know later years of of life and you might think he will maybe one more super bowl I, I don't want to be hanging around for four, five, six years to get to the playoffs or, or the nfc championship
2: Well, to we be digress. Honest- to be honest, yes, the Cowboys is a great job from a prestige standpoint. But in the background standpoint, a lot of coaches um, find it difficult to coach in Dallas because of Jerry Jones. Uh, and obviously yeah. the influence he has, right? Like, you know, the last thing they really needed was to get CeeDee Lamb. They had much bigger holes to fill. And they just
1: did it to screw with the Eagles, which is, which is never a bad thing.
2: Yeah, sure. Why not? But my point is... <laughs> That's not what you do. You don't do it to screw with the Eagles. You don't do it because it's, oh, what a great player. We should get him. I mean, that was such a luxury pick for a team that didn't need a luxury pick uh, that I don't know if if I've got my choice. I'd rather align myself with Telesco uh, and the Chargers than I would with Jones and the Cowboys. That's just my personal opinion.
0: You know? Yeah, I, I'm with you. And that's that's a great segue, John, because to my next point. You know, whoever comes in has to be compatible with Tom Telesco. Look at one Tomato Schottenheimer, you know, winning record, out the door sunshine. Yeah, but that,
2: that has more to do with Spanos. Um, yeah,
0: but they've the faces, I mean, you've still got to fit. You know, your face still has to fit. If, and if it doesn't fit, you know, it's cut your nose off to spite your face and, and you're out. You're not even getting through the door. So there is an element of that, you know, it's.
2: Well, again, that, yeah. But here's the thing I think Telesco is much more level headed uh, yeah. <laughs> than previous general managers um, yeah. who are complete shite, in my opinion. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. so I don't, I don't see that. I think Telesco is about a high character guys about guys who have vision of guys who are good leaders. That's what he cares about. So you know, I'm hoping you know there's there's a couple guys out there who you know like Sulla from uh, San Francisco, the defensive coordinator. Um, that's someone who is a young, bright mind. He's really made an impact there in San Francisco. He knows what it's like to get a team to a Super Bowl. He kn- he's very big on discipline, and I think he would fit well in this culture. And I think he could help. So he's a guy I like uh, if you want to go offensive, Joe Brady. I think Joe Brady is an amazing coach. Uh, You saw what he did as the passing game coordinator there in LSU, taking Joe Burrow, who was, you know, a fringe quarterback prospect uh, and turning him into one of the highest rated quarterbacks in the league, uh, or sorry, prospects uh, to come into the league in a while. Uh, I think that that would be a great hire. Uh, You know, you've got young coordinators like Brian Leftwich who are making real names for themselves. So.
0: on Twitter, there's quite a few calls for Eric B. from
2: uh, the Oh, the enemy. From... Yeah, I I would like to be enemy.
0: I my personal take on that is they will keep him hanging around to replace Andy Reid
2: when he's gone. That's my personal take. Um, well, it depends. I mean, that's what, what's his face in, um, uh,
0: McDaniels. in New England,
2: McDaniel's. Yeah. yeah, same thing with McDaniel's. He's supposedly, yeah. you know, he's been. I mean, he had a job in Reneged last minute, so I mean, he obviously has had some promises made to him. Um, so, I mean, who knows what the enemy has made, made a deal with Kansas city or not, but yeah, well, if I'm the chargers and, and I can get them, I can pull them in. Why not?
0: Well, here's one for you. Untested coach. Someone that knows that's really passionate about the franchise.
2: Anthony Lynn. <laughs> oh, you said untested coach. Sorry. Or did you, did, Oh, wait, I thought I, oh, I thought you said unqualified coach. I, that's why I said, Lynn. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Continue. So Philip. Rivers, yeah, uh, he wants to coach high school. I know, but he's already has, has in fact spoke? he's he's already lined up his high school team to coach. Yeah, he, he doesn't million, want to coach professionally. He, he wants to coach his kids, you know, all fifty of them in high school at the high school. And then he's... when they make the league as well. Yeah, well, maybe I mean that could be <laughs> years from now. So uh, we better not. Lynn better not be in this job when he when rivers is ready to coach at the at the at the highest levels. all just that's obvious to say i will uh, be swapping my gear out for some other franchise if that's the case
0: i mean th- there's there's college coaches out there but um look at chip kelly when he came to the eagles yeah he's going to win the super bowl and everything and that turned a bit sour
2: didn't it so yeah well there's also um, uh lincoln riley my issue yeah. obviously is that they've been incapable of playing any defense there in Oklahoma. So that worries me, uh, given the defensive struggles that we've had.
1: Why he'd be a perfect fit. <laughs> I,
2: mean, I mean, there's talk of
0: James Franklin was going to do wonders at, uh, Penn state, but there's now rumor that he's going to get the bullet and replaced by Bill O'Brien, who was obviously his predecessor. So different.
2: Sure. Why not? Completely different oh. game. It's
0: I, I personally would, it's, if I was Tom Telesco, I would take some that's already in the NFL. Um, You know, or or somebody from that uh, Bill Belichick coaching tree when they they were at the Browns or at the Patriots.
3: Someone with experience. I just want someone who has coached, head coach.
2: See, honestly, they don't even need to have been a head coach. I just want someone who's been an, an actual offensive or defense coordinator for more than less than a year. Yeah, because that's what Anthony Lynn did. He was spe- he was like a special teams coach, then he was a running back coach, then he was an offensive, you know, head assistant of offense or whatever the F position that is, blah 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 blah. And then one year he was elevated to offensive coordinator and then elevated to head coach. Like he had very little high-level experience and I think that shows. Hmm. And I just want someone who's at least been a coordinator for long enough to understand how it works. So that's just kind of what I would like to see. Anyways, yep. I think we're- love
1: those takes guys. I have some blitz questions from Twitter, uh, which means I'm going to ask the questions that we've been posed. And I'm going to go around the table for uh, you to give me just a one sentence on what your feel, feeling is. The first one is, we have had a Titans fan called Johnny from the UK get in touch. Thank you for, for listening. Um, he uh, um, wanted to uh, saw us on Twitter, got involved and, and listened, so thank you. He said, trading away Desmond King for a sick rounder. Good deal for the Chargers because he's in his last year of his contract,
3: or have the Titans gotten a steal? Uh, let's go down. Both. Um, I think no one else was offering more, so sick this fair.
2: Uh, good deal for both. Titans have really struggled in the secondary. Uh, they had Logan Ryan for a while, and, and uh, Desmond King's a better Logan Ryan, in my opinion. So I think he fits perfectly into their system and scheme. Great deal for them. Chargers weren't getting any more than that um, for him. The slot cornerback is an undervalued position in the league, uh, and King has some public issues um, that with the team that I think required him to be removed. So I, I think it was a fair deal all around.
0: Yeah, I think it's a fair deal. If if the charges could have driven Des King to the XFL, they would have taken him. But there's, I think the Titans they've obviously done their homework. But it, it seems to me that King could have been a bad apple in the in the locker room. So yeah, Telesco, he likes characters. Nobody wants to upset the upper cart, so off you go. Yeah, we've lost we've lost a draft pick anyway, haven't we? because of kenneth murray so we can make that up somewhere maybe get a steal somewhere in the sixth
1: i thought that was a third just last year so i think we have a full compliment coming up unless i'm wrong um, No, we have but, a full compliment uh, we we
2: oh, didn't okay. give up we didn't give up any so right now with a comp picks we're set up to have our full set of picks uh a supposedly a compensatory third round pick uh given the value of rivers and gordon uh and then what we brought in with joseph uh, harris and um Bulaga uh the math is right now a third round pick for that and then we have a sixth round pick so uh it's give it gives Telesco plenty of ammunition to move up uh and get a few guys that maybe he likes you could potentially see a, another one of those hey I'm gonna draft a really elite Ed Rusher with our first round pick, and then trade back into the first round um, to get an so... offensive tackle. <laughs> um, uh, you know, Sewell is probably going to be out of reach unless they yeah. unless they don't win another game. But I mean, Samuel Cosme from uh, Texas, uh, Alex Leatherwood, a guy I've been pumping up since the preseason. I really yeah, love. I like his Alex tape. Uh, all of them could be available in the mid first round. So they could pull a, you know, same deal. They, they tried away their second and maybe that comp third to get back into the, you know, middle to end of the first, get themselves a tackle. Now they've got an edge rusher and a tackle. Plus they have one more third round pick to grab a cornerback. Uh, you know, so. Yeah,
1: I, th- I think it's a good shout um, for me, Johnny. Thanks for getting in touch. Um, it leans towards the Titans for me. I am going to be a bit more negative. Uh, Desmond King's not been the player that he was a little while ago, but I am. I think that the sixth is probably a tad low. If it's on the table, that's what you've got. That's what you've got. It's better than getting nothing. And uh, as per reports, um, I think because uh, um, the potential is, I am hearing that there will be uh, there won't be compensatory picks for expiring rookie contracts so uh you know they've got rid of a guy for something he's not playing then the reason why i'm a bit negative is I'm, i don't like what they're doing uh in, in getting rid of the likes of adrian phillips uh desmond king the, there's this, the, there these names that that buzz around the ball they may not be the best starters and slot corners not valued but they can get turnovers against against mobile quarterbacks uh they can they can track and I think we saw the uh, the fruits of our trade deal straight away, that we had, for the last drive of the Broncos in this week's game, we had Campbell playing that position. And he's not capable of playing that position. Now, whether or not Desmond King is lots and lots better than him, perhaps not. But I think we've seen he has a higher ceiling than a guy off the street. So I feel the team, I know injuries are involved, but I feel the team has really paper-thin depth. Um, you know, bit negative. Tells me that that the guy we loved, uh, Anthony Lynn, that can that's every player's favourite guy, actually can lose guys, and, and 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 maybe isn't all sweetness and light. Um, I have another blitz question, and we'll start all the way back with Was. This comes from our friends at the UK uh, Falcons Pod. Uh, a little bit tongue in cheek. Who's gonna blow the biggest? Who's gonna blow a big lead when we? When the two teams play each other, uh, Falcons have uh, have done it. We've done it. Um, we're going to be coming head to head later in the season. Um, you know, so tongue and cheek. But uh, who's going to be the biggest blowers?
0: Falcons. Next
2: question, <laughs> John. Uh, I mean, I don't. I, I I don't think anybody blows the lead this game. I think that the Chargers do their general act of getting up early. And I think as they are trying to give the, give the game away, I think Atlanta does a better job of keeping it with us so we don't ever give up the lead.
3: <laughs> Dan? Well, neither team are going to score, so it's going to win <laughs> zero zero, 0 <laughs> 0-0, ball draw. I love that take.
2: What would be epic is if it's the Chargers went up like it. or the Falcons went up 21 points, 21 nothing in like the first quarter, and the Chargers stormed back and took like a, you know, like a 30 to 21 lead by halftime, and then the Falcons came back and tied it, and then they tied 30 to 30. That would or, like that or... that, would, that would that would be awesome for them to both give up big leads <laughs> and then it ends in a draw. That would be the best It'd... result. Wait, wait. Did
0: didn't the Falcons once give <laughs>
3: up a big lead in the Super Bowl?
2: Ooh. Stop it! Uh, you have hey, been it. doing just than that. <laughs> nutter. You, up, you nutter.
3: Falcons, Falcons, Lions game at um, Wembley, Wembley. I was there. Was. yeah, I was there. Falcons get up twenty-one nothing and lose
0: yeah.
3: 22-21 Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. It's nice like... to know we
1: have a mirror team in. Yeah, we have a mirror team over in the NFC, so we can't <laughs> wait. and can't wait to do some collaboratives with you guys. So well, thanks for uh, with these pigeons. <laughs> so we're gonna flip our side. What is what is this week? It's not Election Week, it's Raiders Week. Uh, sorry for swearing there. Um, you know, don't like to say their name too much. Um, I want to go around, just just before, set the scene, guys. Um, I'm coming to you first, Dan. Uh, what are the big things you're looking for against our filthy... right right? I'm going to call them the Oakland Raiders, because that's who they'll always be to me. They're not. It's uh, the first of a new rivalry, which is the Los Angeles Chargers versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Um what are we doing? we beating them? Uh, what are the keys to the game for you? What are you watching? What are you excited about?
3: Well, I don't think I'm really excited. <laughs> let's, let's put it that way. I'll, I'll always be excited to get to watch the Chargers play. The first half Chargers, um, that is. <laughs> but um, I don't like the second half Chargers. And I, I think that we're going to see more of that uh, this coming week. Um, obviously we need to figure out a way to deal with, um, is it Darren Waller? Um, he's, he's their biggest, uh, their biggest threat. I mean, obviously they've got Henry Ruggs. Uh, they've got Nelson Aguilar, but, um, oh and you can't forget um, Josh Jacobs, but I think just some, somehow we've got to slow down Darren Waller. And I don't know that our linebackers are going to match up well in that coverage there. And I think he'll probably get a, couple of big plays there um i don't want us to lose to oakland uh las vegas but um when we were discussing this four game stretch a couple of weeks ago i think i said i thought we'd lose we'd win the first two uh, optimistically and lose the second two i i've i just don't see us winning this one um now i think i think we match up okay with them but I just don't trust the coaching. And so I can't I can't pick this coaching staff to win.
1: I think we're all in the same space. There was though. Oh, do you yes. think we're gonna smash right, them? You, Are you guaranteeing as a victory? I, I, I'm, I'm
0: on. the Raiders win this seventy to zero. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's my takes. First thing, Trent Brown, questionable. He is our kryptonite. If he plays, we're in trouble. Because Bosa and Melgr- uh, Melvin Ingram um, really struggled against this uh, dude in, in previous games. Really struggled. Uh, he seems to have our number, so watch out for him. Interestingly enough, the Chargers and Raiders, despite the Raiders at 4 and 3, and us at 2 and 5, they've got some similarities. I was quite surprised. Raiders against the stuff 19th ranked in the league, Chargers 20th. Raiders passing defense 27. Uh, sorry. Raiders, uh, passing offense eighth, uh, rushing offense twenty seventh. Uh, yeah, Chargers seventh and twenty sixth respectively. Raiders pass protection twelfth, thirteen sacks. Chargers thirteenth uh, ranked pass protection, fourteen sacks. So there are some similarities. The Raiders are up and down. They've lost to three decent teams. Obviously, beat the Chiefs. we, we don't know where where they're going to finish. They've got a, a good chance of making the playoffs, but they are really hit and miss. Gruden's obviously made lots of strides in the last three seasons, but I'm I'm interested to see how Derek Carr performs. 25th ranked uh, quarterback, according to PFF. He's only thrown two interceptions. And the fact that we're not creating many turnovers, it, it, this this could be quite an interesting game. So I've never been a fan of Derek Carr. I'll be honest. I really, really be honest. I I don't like him for some reason. Um, so no doubt he'll go for 400 yards and four touching uh, touch, uh four passing touchdowns on uh, Sunday. But yeah, I think I think the Raiders are on the uh, ascendancy, and I think they they should be favourites to win this game. We've got to just. To win this, we need to stop doing what we've been doing all season. We've won two games against two very poor, well, a poor starting team and a very poor team. So, I'm really struggling to see us beating our rival.
2: Well, you know, pessimism, John savers. I personally am very excited for this game and for this matchup. I can't wait. Because I'm a Darren Waller owner, or sorry, a uh, Josh Jacobs <laughs> owner, uh, and I think both of them are going to have big games. Uh, no, the real reason that I'm excited is it's Navy on Navy, baby! Whoo! I've I've been waiting for the Navy on Navy game. It's going to be a oh, oh the uniforms yes! are going to look clean. I mean, sexy as dick, if you know what I mean. Uh, I just I'm very excited for that. For the game itself, I'm not excited. I just ugh. I hate losing to the Raiders. Like I'm all I, I'm all about the hashtag Suck for Sewell. Um, let's do it. Let's lose every single game except for the two remaining games against the Raiders, please. I just I hate I losing to the Chiefs is annoying, but whatever. Losing to the Broncos sucks. Yeah, whatever. I hate losing to the Raiders. So yep. if, if we're gonna win Agreed. any, if we're gonna win a couple more games this year, please let them both be against the Raiders. I just I can't stand it, and I just I just have so much fear. Oh, I just I, I just see the same script over and over again. We're going to get up, we're going to choke it away, and it's just going to be disaster. The only good thing that if they lose to the Raiders and go 0 and 9 against the division since 2018, I think at that point, I mean, at the very least they're firing Gus Bradley, but I mean, maybe they fire Lynn at that point too and they just say, "Hey, we're cleaning house." You know, let let other let coach. to me that that could be the only advantage because I just, ugh, I hate to lose to the Raiders. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, again, as as was said, they do match up pretty evenly on both sides of the ball. I think that the biggest issue is that the Raiders' defense will give up big plays, which I think the Chargers can capitalize on. And I think the Chargers' defense is giving up big plays too. Um, You know, the Chargers are really. Doing a poor job against those quick receivers who can who run like a quick crossing or a quick slant or or quick post into the middle and just missing the tackle and letting that guy go forever. And they have a guy in in Las Vegas called Henry Ruggs who who is absolutely that exact kind of weapon. The kind of guy who comes streaking across the middle, grabs a little six yard pass from. Uh, car and takes that thing 90 yards. I, I just see it happening. I see Josh Jacobs having his way with this offense of uh, this, this defensive line, which has been very soft up the middle. Uh, it just, ugh. I think it'll be a close game, but I just, it's hard for me. It's hard for me not to think that this is probably going to end up being another loss, although I really want them to win. So that's kind of how I'm feeling about the game.
1: Yep. Yep. Completely get you, you know, it's, it's a big one. Um, Dan, do you, do you think that, you know, this is going to be our first divisional win? I, w- I want to guarantee. I want it, you to put it on the line. Is this is our first divisional win since
3: 2018, or does the streak go on? The streak will go on. I'm almost certain that we will lose. We're at home, right, this week? So... We are. Um, yeah, I just... I don't see it happening. I'm, I'm an optimistic guy. But even I've got my limits. No guarantee.
0: 717 days since we last... Well... Yes, it's 1700... uh, I'll start again. 700 odd days since we last uh, won a divisional game.
1: Unbelievable, isn't it? Unbelievable. That still takes my breath away. It's ridiculous. So I'm not... I'm going to say that I'm going to bring the positivity back. I'm going to bring it back guys. We've had a miserable rant. Everyone's furious and I'm going to finish this podcast off by putting everyone in a great mood. Here's what my guarantees are. I'm going to step in whilst I'm going to offer guarantees. The election is going to go the way you want it to. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? Oh, we're boy. going we're going to enter the fourth quarter 3 scores up. Is that enough? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm making no comment, boys. And we are not the Jets. There's three reasons to be positive. How about that? Have you? I, and, and, on, and on the Jets, just to put this into perspective, you know, we've discussed which coaching staff should be sacked, whether the owner should stay, if Tom Teleska's is on the hot seat. Just for a second, let's calm ourselves down and realize that ten minutes ago, Joe Douglas, the general manager of the Jets, said that Adam Gase is part of the solution. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh. I just, oh man I mean that's oh. the Jets, ugh, oh, could not imagine the poison solution <laughs> could not that's imagine a, cheer
0: me up, no end. I, I think we should become honorary Jet fans for the next two weeks I
2: uh, can't wait
1: for correction, the correction by the way,
0: 687 days since our last divisional win alright, we'll that's count still down to 700 and see if <laughs> we can get there the shoes and socks off this time <laughs> to do the proper count <laughs>
1: Well, well, guys, we brought back some positivity. It's Raiders Week. Um, you know, uh, fingers crossed for whichever candidate you're supporting in the election, um, on this election special. Uh, but you can find us on the socials. Where can we find
2: you, Was
0: At endzone85.
2: You can find me at EdadroidAirs, Airs, hashtag audiblechocolate, hashtag firelin, hashtag suckforsool. <laughs> and you can find me
3: at UKLA Chargers. You can find me
1: at Bez the Spaniard hashtag Higher <laughs> You can find the podcast at Charged Up Pod, um, and the main pod, uh, the main account is at Charged Up Bolt. Come see our rants. Come see our uh, in-game tweeting, uh, and send us thank you so much for your questions. Just keep sending them in. Loved your emails. Loved your Twitter uh, comments. Everything. Loved it. Keep them coming. Um, Let's see what we can do. Can we win a uh, divisional game? Or will we finally get to 700 days without a victory in the AFC West? Peace out.